What up, guys? It's JP from the Chase Down, and today we're going to do a quick game recap and rookie report. I think this is just going to be a thing that I do pretty frequently now. I think I'm going to do 20, 30 to minute, 20, 30 minute podcasts uh, probably every two days, um, just so I don't go over one night a game, so I can kind of pick and choose what I want to talk about. Um, but you know where I'm starting. The Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Hawks and the Nuggets and back-to-back nights, and the Cavs look exciting, and I like the way they're playing basketball now. It's not Colin Sexton isos for 14 seconds of a 24-second shot clock. It's ball movement. It's prioritizing Mobley as a playmaker. Um, If you go to the stat line from the Nuggets game, Mobley's 10-8-2, but what you don't see is him single-handedly running four possessions in a row and all of them leading to buckets. Um, that's just the guy he is. He makes the right pass. Even if it doesn't get him the assist, a hockey, a hockey assist is just fine for Mobley. Um, and Jared Allen has looked really, really, really good. Um, he's kind of showing more of a ceiling than I expected. Uh, me and Ben were kind of texting back and forth when the DeAndre Ayton contract issues were in the air. And I was kind of asking Ben, what's the difference between Jared Allen and DeAndre Ayton, because Jared Allen got $20 million a year for the next five years. DeAndre Ayton was looking for a max contract, which would level out at like $45 million a year in his last year, which is absurd money. I don't think there's a giant gap between Jared Allen and DeAndre Ayton. Do I trust DeAndre Ayton to defend Jokic more than Jared Allen? Sure. But just as players alone, like as offensive options, I feel like they're the same player. They can hit the occasional mid-range. They rebound well, and they're good at finishing alley-oops and easy layups. Uh, they're kind of the same player in that regard. In terms of free throw shooting, Jared Allen's pretty efficient too. I think he shoots around 70%. So, I mean, we're going to look five years down the line at that Jared Allen contract and think it's a bargain. Um Darius Garland hasn't looked exactly as dynamic as I thought he would look. Uh, I thought maybe the scoring output would be a little bit more than it actually is, but as a playmaker, he's looked unbelievable. And Ricky Rubio as well as a playmaker has looked great. Um, Obviously Ricky Rubio is not going to fill it up for you, but just setting up guys, giving Mobley, Allen and Laurie Markkinen all really easy buckets and for Kevin Love, But the most important thing is they're just getting the ball out of Colin Sexton's hands. And that's that's what they need to do to win. And they're doing it. And I'm very happy about it. Um, Moving on to Celtics Hornets, a double OT game. Actually, no, only one OT. But Jason Tatum looked unbelievable, kind of bouncing back from that horrible start to the season at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Jalen Brown accompanying him with 30 points and Dennis Schroeder. I was pretty on and off on Dennis Schroeder. Um, He looked awful against Houston. He didn't look good against New York. And he looked like he did when he was playing for the Lakers. But in this game, he looked really good. 23 points, six rebounds, eight assists on decent efficiency. And he hit a bunch of his threes. He is not known as a three-point shooter, but he went four for nine from the three-point line. That's pretty good for him. So it was good to see the Celtics perform the way they did in that game. As for the Hornets in that game, LaMelo's LaMelo. He hit seven out of 14 threes with nine assists, ended the game with 25 points. But Miles Bridges continued to play well. And I'm. this is one of the things I'll be looking for 
throughout the entire season is how well he continues to play because they chose not to extend him. He will be entering restricted free agency at the end of this year. Is it if he continues putting up, let's say, 20 points per game throughout a large portion of the season until Terry Rozier and others get back because they have some injuries right now. So I think that's a part of why he's taken as many shots as he is. But let's say he does stick to 20 points per game. How much money is a team going to throw at him in restricted free agency? And will the Charlotte Hornets even be able to match it? Because they're going to want to pay LaMelo. They're going to want to pay. They, they're already paying Gordon Hayward. They paid Kelly Oubre in the offseason. They don't have a lot. They're paying Terry Rozier as well. But are they going to be willing to shell out as much money as another team would be for Miles Bridges? That's something I'll definitely be keeping an eye on. Because if he keeps performing this way, he's definitely a $20 million guy, like easily. So um, moving on to last night, the Nuggets and the Jazz played. And I was watching this live and I turned it off as soon as I saw it. Nikola Jokic went down with an injury. He looked unbelievable. He was dominating the game with 24-6-6, only missing one shot in only 15 minutes of play. Excuse me. Uh, it, it was so sad to see him go down, obviously grabbing his knee, kind of screaming in pain. I couldn't watch it. I hate injury stuff like that. It always makes me super sad. But I mean, if the Nuggets get hit with a uh, Nikola Jokic ACL, I, I don't know what could go worse for the Nuggets. I mean, last year, their finals chances were cut by Jamal Murray's ACL injury. And then if Jokic is down with an ACL, they have no shot at doing anything. So um super sad stuff hopefully i'm praying that he's all right hopefully his knee's cool um i'm sure we'll get some reporting about it very quickly um but as for utah they looked pretty good rudy gobert's just been unbelievable on the boards this year and super efficient we know who rudy gobert is right he's just gonna dunk and lay up so not much not much skill going on there but hey efficient scoring is efficient scoring it doesn't matter how you do it as long as you're efficient it's helpful for the team. So that was an important win for the Jazz last night. For the Lakers versus Spurs, LeBron didn't end up playing, but Anthony Davis and Westbrook did. Westbrook looked good. And I think this is just something we have to acknowledge. Westbrook is a one or two man show, right? So with Bradley Beal as his sidekick, he looked great. With James Harden in that four month stretch before the playoffs, he looked great. Um, in OKC with Paul George, he looked great. He needs the ball in his hands more than anyone else. And with LeBron on the court, I feel like he's timid. I feel like he doesn't want to give the ball. Uh, he doesn't want to hog the ball from LeBron, which is fair because LeBron's infinitely better than him. Um, but this is the type of Russell Westbrook you should expect to see when either Anthony Davis or LeBron misses a game. Um, Westbrook ended up with 33-10-8 and eight on above 50% shooting, which is huge. He still sucks from the free throw line and the three-point line. Um, but this is, this is more accustomed to what we were seeing at the end of last year in Washington and for a little stretch in Houston. As for Anthony Davis, 35-17-4 with four blocks. I mean, he's one of the unique weapons in the NBA. I believe he sustained a slight injury in this game. He'll, we know Anthony Davis will be out for like four or five games and then come back, but um, 35, 17, and four with four blocks. 
as a defender, when he's locked in, it's hard to say there's a better player than him just because of how well he can hang on the perimeter and protect the paint. Um, but as a scorer, too, just like 35 like he, he I don't know he, he's just very very hard to stop and his brand of offense is pretty unique as well he gets buckets in transition as if he were a wing but you can throw alley-oops to him as if he's a big he likes that mid-range shot as well uh, he's decently efficient from that area so yeah he's just a really really hard player to stop and when he's healthy uh, he is an elite elite talent um, so that's good for the Lakers to get that win because that win against the Grizzlies was ugly. Westbrook was horrible. Carmelo Anthony really won them that game. So for them to get a win on the W chart is pretty pretty big for them. Uh, moving on to the rookie report, uh, Jalen Green, who scored 30 points against the Celtics, went 8 of 10 from 3, fell back down to earth with 10 points on 4-16 shooting. And like I was saying, this is who he is. He's going to light you up some nights and he's going to suck the air out of the gym the other. Um, he's just going to be super up and down. But I think what we need to take away is we know what the ceiling looks like now, right? We saw the 30 point game where he just absolutely lit it up from three point land and attacked the paint decently well, um, or just had a nice dunk rather. But this is what I saw with Anthony Edwards when he was balling out. I saw the ceiling. And I said to myself, if he can reach that, he's a top 10 player in the league. With Jalen Green, the ceiling looks unbelievable. So we know what he can aim for now or what we can hope to see from him moving on. Can he be a 30-point-per-game night, uh, point-per-game scorer in this league? I believe so. It's the consistency we need to th- see. The jump shot is super shaky. It, not shaky, excuse me, inconsistent. It wasn't the G League. It wasn't high school. In high school, he was running to the rim at full speed and just dunking over everyone and popping out from mid-ranges, and he would chuck up a few threes a game. But that he was not known for a three-point shot. He was known for his athleticism and his ball handling. Um, now going into the NBA, he's worked on his three-point shot some, but it's still inconsistent like it was in the G League. So it's something to monitor. Obviously, it's his rookie year. Uh, with Anthony Edwards, his jump shot didn't look great for the first, like, I don't know, four months of the season. And then it started to really look a little bit better by the end of it. So I'm expecting a similar uh, path that Jalen Green's going to take. The thing with Jalen Green, though, is he hit his ceiling much earlier than Anthony Edwards did in terms of a great performance. It was only Jalen Green's third game in the league, and he dropped 30 points from eight of 10 from three that's pretty impressive it's super early in the season and against my team who i believe is a good defensive team in the celtics so um it, it's something to monitor obviously he's going to be up and down all season long obviously this team's going to be absolutely horrible um but it is just something to keep an eye on because he's an exciting player he's a young player he is the corner stone for that franchise moving forward um so yeah should be interesting Another rookie report, the OKC Thunder played the Warriors last night. Josh Giddy, he went back a little down to earth, 7-9-4. and four. He is a great rebounder as, as a guard. Um, he is 6-8, so it makes sense that he's a good rebounder, but he has that instinct to get there as well. A uh, little inefficient last night, still made some decent passes, um, but obviously not anything special 
from Giddy last night. In terms of the Warriors, just quickly, um, <clears throat> Steph Curry's looked unbelievable this season. Uh, he scored 23 points on 6 of 14. Not a huge shooting night. Like, didn't shoot a lot of shots, but just very efficient. Kept it cool. Um, yeah, he, he looks unbelievable. Uh, in terms of Mobley, like I was speaking of early also for the rookie report, he did only have 10, 8, and 2. But like I was saying, if you watch the game, you could see how much he's impacting every possession he's out there on the court. In terms of defense, he leads the league in contested shots as a rookie. Um, I said it as he was getting drafted. I think he's a generational defensive talent. I think he will make all defensive teams almost every single year of his career. I think he's going to be one of those guys like Kawhi or Giannis or Rudy Gobert, where he's just stapled in as a selection for years and years and years to come. Um, and I think it's so interesting. I, I think it's pretty evident Mobley should have gone number one in the draft already. I know we're four games in and you, you can take this as an overreaction or just a homer pick because I love him so much, but I think it's kind of obvious. Obviously we need to see some uh, performances from Cade, but just in what we've seen so far, Mobley impacts the game at such a high level as a rookie that his team has decided to make him the focal point of their offense. And I don't see a lot of other teams doing that. Um, for Scotty Barnes against the Bulls, super close game. Uh, the Scotty Barnes had 13-4, went 6-8 from the floor with a block and a steal. Had a ton of turnovers, though, six turnovers. I got to watch Scotty Barnes in person. He's super big. He's super athletic, but he does sometimes play as if he's six foot three. And what I mean by that is like, he just sprints and forgets how big he is. Um, and his dribble can get a little shaky. And some of the passes he tries are a little wonky, but overall his passing intellect is great. His scoring, scoring instincts are better than I thought. His jumper looks cleaner than I thought. And he's cutting at the right time, getting easy buckets. Uh, I'm very hopeful for Scotty Barnes and, Quite honestly, that looks like the right pick for them at four over Jalen Suggs. I know Toronto fans were a little bummed at first just because Jalen Suggs had been connected to them for so long. Um, but it looks like Masai made the right pick because Jalen Suggs, he's performed okay. Uh, he scored 15 points against the Heat on four eight shooting from three and five for 12 from the field. But he had five turnovers. And other than that, he's looked pretty shaky. I know we're four games into the season, and I do expect him to improve. Um, but Scotty Barnes has absolutely been the better player as the as of this point. Uh, better on defense, better passer, better score. Really, there's no category that Jalen Suggs even competes with him in. Um, so, yeah, it looks like Toronto made the right pick, and I just like the ceiling of Scotty Barnes a little bit more than Jalen Suggs. Me and me and Ben both said that Jalen Suggs had a borderline all-star type of ceiling. Like maybe he makes one or two in his career, but still is a very effective player. In terms of Scotty Barnes, I think my impression of him has changed a little bit because if he figures out that jump shot, he's going to be a perennial all-star um, and in contention for the best player in the draft. I'm always going to say Mobley's the best player in the draft just because of how good he is at everything. But Scotty Barnes is a similar type of player. Like if he gets the jump shot, he's good at everything. Uh, he's very efficient in every single part of the game. Defense, steals, blocks, uh, efficient from the paint. If he can add the jump shot and then assisting and rebounding, he would be literally good at everything. So, um, yeah, Scotty Barnes has a higher ceiling and it appears that he has a higher floor as well. So 
the Raptors definitely nailed that one. Uh, obviously, I want to talk about Cade for a second. Cade hasn't played yet, which is super, super annoying. Um, I don't know the severity of his injury. I've, I've looked multiple places to see if maybe we're getting some news about his injury, but I haven't been able to find any. Um, but I'm very excited to see this because Killian Hayes hasn't been exactly great. Um, just super like meh. He, he's not making a ton of plays just in terms of scoring and or passing. He's kind of just there. And this is an indication to me that they're just going to give the ball to Cade and he is going to be that Luca type playmaker. I don't think he's at the level of Luca. But what I mean by that is he's going to have a Luca type role. So he's not going to be Luca, but he's going to have the ball in his hands every single possession down the floor. And he's just going to be the floor general. Whether I think he can exceed at that is a question in itself. I'm not a giant believer in his playmaking. I've said this a million times on this podcast. He's Jason Tatum. He's Paul George. He's not Luca. He's not LeBron. But it should be interesting to see him in that playmaking role because they need it. Uh, they need it bad. I think Killian Hayes is not the answer here. I think they whiffed pretty hard on that. And to think that maybe if they had just drafted Tyrese Halliburton, they could have had a Cade Cunningham, Tyrese Halliburton backcourt. I mean, both of those players play defense, shoot the three well, make the right pass. Um, th that would be a dynamic young uh, backcourt. So I think that's going to wrap everything up for me here today. We have a few good games on tonight. We have the Heat Nets, which I think is worth watching. Uh, we have Celtics Wizards, which I'm watching because I'm a Celtics fan, obviously. Uh, we got Timberwolves Bucks, which might sound like a bad game to some, but I think it's interesting having two seven-footers, Carl Anthony Towns and Giannis, going against each other. And then Anthony Edwards against Chris Middleton. He did a great job defending him last year in the matchup that they had against each other. And Middleton will probably be defending Anthony Edwards just because I think Drew's a little too skinny to stick with uh, Ant. So that should be a good game. Grizzlies Trailblazers should be an absolute smash with the way John Moran's playing. I spoke about him in the last podcast, but that should be a great game. And then Cavs Clippers. I'm taking the Cavs to win that one. I know I'm a homer, but they looked really good against the Nuggets and they looked really good against the Hawks. So I think Mobley and Allen are going to keep that paint pretty protected and stop Paul George from being able to slide and get easy points in the paint. So thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, peace.